Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of the League podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is the world-famous Pablo Escobar. I'm your host, Jack, a.k.a. Jokic Joestar. Today, we are taking on, I suppose, the role of, like, Roman aristocrats or upper-class people. We're big tournament guys today. We're spending all day at the tournaments. Uh, we're talking about the NBA's in-season tournaments, the Bucks pacers game, as well as the Pelicans-Lakers game, and a variety of topics that go along with those things, as well as later on, maybe a little peek into what the play-in tournament is currently looking like. So, Pablo, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a crisp 50 degree day where I am in an unknown undisclosed location. I'm wearing shorts today. What a blast. Um, you know what you know what you just reminded me of? You know how there's a whole the the whole Roman Empire trend was a thing and mm-hmm. now it has evolved into um like my Roman Empire is this, my Roman Empire is that. And it's become like a whole new phrase. I wonder how long it's going to be until someone like unironically, just 100% genuinely makes a video and they're like, my Roman Empire is actually the Roman Empire. <laughs> and, then, and then also also what you made me think of is I, I wouldn't be super interested in going back. Like if I had the chance to go back in time to the Coliseum and watch a gladiator fight in the Coliseum, I wouldn't be super interested but man, I would pay good money to 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 go into the Naruto verse and watch the tuning exams. Um, that might be my number one fictional event that I'd love to watch. Damn, that does sound fun. That's tough. I don't know. I haven't really thought of that many fictional events that I'd love to see. Uh, I suppose. I don't know. Bloodsport, like uh, the Hunger Games, uh, if I could just mm. remove myself from the chi- child murder of it all. Uh, could be entertaining i feel like especially uh i would love to see the fan dynamics of the hunger games because you know there's social media in that verse and shit like that so it's just like damn katniss is on a fraud watch or Peta's getting packed up right now stuff like that it could be very funny i would love to see what's going on in the peripheries of that world however i would also love to see how you feel about the milwaukee bucks falling to the indiana pacers yesterday Ah. how you doing I I was surprised. I thought the Bucks would win. I thought, listen, they're figuring it out. They uh, everything is going well. Um, it seems it seems everyone's getting more comfortable in their roles. Uh, this is a this is a team that's they they're going against the worst deep not the worst the twenty eighth ranked defense in the league. This is, should be something Giannis and Damian Lillard devour, um, but. They couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up with the Pacers. I've seen I've seen a lot of different analysis. The bench uh, was severely outscored. It's like forty three to eleven or something crazy. Um, I saw people saying that like the Bucks tried to match their pace, and um, but like they're not accustomed to playing at that pace, so they're not making the same amount of shots. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to beat the Pacers at their own game. I don't know if anybody can, aside from like the Kings, maybe. Um, and yeah, Tyrese Halliburton just went God mode. He hit Dame with the Dame time celebration. Oh my God. Uh, it's, it's drama. It, I, the only complaint I have is I wish the court looked a little bit cooler and I wish the Vegas crowd was more into it. I think they were into it for LeBron, but I think they were like, who's, who's Tyrese Halliburton. I, I don't know him. Yeah. Uh, I have, I felt the same way about the crowds. I think, Especially for the the East, um, it's just like 
you give the entire state of Milwaukee and Indiana um like two and a half days to get a flight to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not the easiest thing in the world. Um and so like I think if they had figured out a way to just I'm not like I don't care if a team just gets like home court advantage for this. Yeah. Um like if the record's a little bit better. Because yeah, the uh for what should have been an insane crowd game. Like if Indiana had gotten to host that Bucks game the way they got to host the Celtics, holy fuck, dude. That would have been so exciting because the Celtics game was electric as well. Um, In terms of actual play, I don't know. I, I'm not like that surprised by what went down. I think the Bucks all season have looked outside of Giannis, obviously, like a team that does not like – love transition like Giannis thrives in transition but everybody else is super old and in terms of like (laughs) defense like running back and getting set I feel like Indiana ate them alive in transition and then in terms of offense nobody leaks out like Giannis is a lot of times it's the guy who's getting the ball and running the fast break and so if he's not there to like run and be like, Hey, I'm on the block. Let me get the ball in transition before they all get set up. Nobody for Milwaukee is really interested in doing anything like that. And then once you get into the half court offense of it all, Giannis thrived. Indiana didn't have an answer for him uh, all game. And he had like 37 points and 10 rebounds and was super impressive, but just like, it felt like Milwaukee should have been able to capitalize on the gravity he was creating and how Indiana was reacting to him every time he caught the ball on the block because it's, it's fucking Aaron Neesmith down there. They have no answer <laughs> for Giannis. But still, like it just ended up being weird Malik Beasley floaters a lot of the time or just shit. That it's like not the shot you should be able to get if you're a team that wants to win a championship against – Literally, I mean, I thought they were the worst defense in the league. I know the Wizards are right there with them, and then there's probably maybe like San Antonio. I think is I think is last. God (laughs) damn, dude, Wembus Yama, holy shit! Uh, But yeah, Wimpy Waterburger. Your friends don't know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It doesn't surprise me because Halliburton has been so good, and if you do play the Pacers game against them the way that Milwaukee did, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. Uh, they, in the, in the post game, uh, uh, TNT show, they were interviewing Tyrese Halliburton and Tyrese Halliburton senior. Wait, is that his name? I forget if he's a, junior I think it's like John Halliburton or something. Oh, I think it, it might be Joe Halliburton. Um, mm. uh, what's it called? But yeah, he, they, they talk the same way. It was funny to see. Um, but they, uh, Charles actually asked an interesting basketball question to him. He's like, uh, last time, last time you played, did, did Milwaukee, they beat them the last time they played. Correct. Do you know that or, or no? I don't, I don't know. know it off the top of my head. Let's go with the assumption. Yes, it happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> and he said, uh, they, uh, Milwaukee threw them off by playing zone against them. And uh, he's like, did you prepare for that tonight? And Halliburton's like, yeah. But uh, the weird thing about their zone was um, they were they were forcing us into the middle or they, they were like trying to yeah force us in the middle. Like typically they try and force us to the baseline. But tonight they were forcing us to the middle. So I wonder I wonder I, I haven't gotten a chance to um, go back and rewatch the film. So I wonder like if that was a huge issue or if that how different is that to what they've been doing in these other games because um 
it's I guess the idea would be like funnel them towards your shot blockers, right? And that's what mm-hmm. they were trying to get at, but I don't know, didn't work out. And and, yeah. and you're going against like Halliburton and Bruce Brown, who both got floater games, mid range games. Yes, and then also like both of them are very capable of when you get to the middle and you have uh, Lopez step up on whoever it is. The second he commits, they can both make an easy dump off pass to Miles Turner, who has like a capable touch around the basket mid range game like that as well. Like they're running the pick and roll, and Brooke goes to block the guard shot a lot of the times. Giannis is a nice help side rim protector, um, but he's so involved off the ball in terms of like trying to prevent passing lanes to the corner or the opposite wing that he's not always able to help over on that block. And so if you dump it to um, Miles Turner, he he went like two of eight from three and he still had 26 points on good efficiency just because there was uh, not a ton that uh, Milwaukee had as far as an answer for him and as far like. I don't know. They should be a good defense. It's just when you <laughs> when you uh, are constantly like making trades where you give up a little bit too many assets. Uh, I feel like that has kind of compounded for Milwaukee to the point where now, if Pat Connaughton doesn't play, there's like nothing in terms of role players. You have uh, four good guys. I like Bobby Portis, and I'm being generous by calling him a good guy. You have Giannis. <laughs> Brooke, Dame, Bobby Portis, Malik Beasley can give you 20. Um, I don't think Halliburton even, like, noticed him at all defensively. Like, yeah. And, like, channeling them to the middle is fine. It's just you have no personnel to guard any perimeter guys at all. It's a reason. When you go back and watch it, TJ McConnell was crazy successful against Milwaukee. Like, he just got (laughs) wherever he wanted. Uh, And he's not like a quick burst athlete the way Halliburton is or anything where he'll just blow by you. It's just they have nobody who can guard any guards. And that was glaringly apparent in this game. Yeah, who who was there starting back? So Drew last year, and who started with him? Do you remember? Um, so it'd be like Drew, Brooke, Giannis, Middleton at small forward, and it wasn't Malik Beasley because they just picked him up. Who was yeah, it? Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to remember because like, go, was Connaughton starting? I don't know, but if like, I remember earlier in the year we were talking about like, Jesus, is Dame that big of a downgrade uh, defensively from Drew Holiday that that has like single-handedly destroyed their defense? But I think it might just be both of them because Malik Beasley is probably worse on defense than Damian Lillard. (laughs) So they just swapped out um, like elite perimeter defense for catastrophic oh was it Grayson Allen was he their starting guard last year shooting guard maybe I mean it says 70 games started in 2023 okay and I mean to be honest I like he doesn't jump off the screen as like some crazy defender or anything but when you are going from him and Drew Holiday to Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard that is too opposite ends of the spectrum defensively and it's really been noticeable so far it was just ugly ugly defense the entire time and to be honest i think uh if you're if you're not going to be able to like out outrun the pacers and outpace them you just kind of have to like go complete zag and uh force them into like 
like take your time on offense. They're going to give you these like shots that you think you want because they're just trying to pace, pace, pace and get like a good look every trip down the floor. I think a key might be doing everything in your power to slow them down, which I don't know if you can't guard and transition the way Milwaukee did or can't, I suppose it's, it's hard. I had not connected that the Pacers are called the Pacers and they're beating everybody by outpacing them this is They're great pace. yeah this is Damn. this is this is like in in breaking bad when he said jesse it's time where we start breaking bad or the sopranos when he said we're the sopranos that is fantastic it's it's um self-fulfilling there's a term for this i forget what it is <laughs> um maybe but, self-fulfilling uh, prophecy or something yeah. i guess that'd be it yeah the pacers That's great stuff but yeah Great, Grayson Allen. Say what you want about Grayson Allen. He won't give up on defense. He'll trip you if you if you try and go <laughs> past him. He he might grab onto your collarbone and rip it out of its socket or something. He's not going down without a fight. They he he stresses over defense. That's why he's got the gray hair already. Yeah, shout out to gray hair. Shout out to Grayson Allen. He doesn't deserve to be compared to the most pathetic human being in the world, maybe in the United States, Ted Cruz. <laughs> um, but he he I. I'm I'm hoping for a Grayson Allen redemption arc. When we've we've gone a little bit without incident, right? Like it's been oh, a while. Since he, he like since fucked Alex it. Caruso up, and it feels like it's been radio silence since then. Oh, when was was that last year? I, it might have been two years ago. Was it um, Bulls Alex Caruso? Yes, it was absolutely Bulls Alex Caruso. I remember that, but I don't remember. Okay. I think it was probably two years ago at this point. Yeah, so Grayson Allen, rehabilitation works. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess so. Damn, I think, uh, damn, I was going to say, oh, yes. So the Pacers shoot 21% from three, still score 130 points. Halliburton still gets 15 assists. And this really felt like a monument to how well Halliburton is able to continually generate good shots for the entire team, even when the jumper isn't falling for people. And even in the fourth quarter, it felt like he was the steadiest presence on either team that was on the floor. And you really felt that like, permeate throughout the Pacers offense in terms of just like everybody is generating good looks for each other. The ball does not stick at all. It kind of reminds me of Jokic in Denver, just in terms of like a trillion touches per game at one nanosecond per touch. So he <laughs> like, he's just like, he grabs it and it's gone. He's either shooting or it's out of his hands and he's moving. And Hal Burton is very similar. And uh, it felt tangible you'd like it's just surprising to see a game with Damian Lillard and Giannis on the same team and Tyrese Halliburton is the presence where you're like okay that guy is reliable and you're gonna get a good look if he has the basketball yeah it's nice to see at growing up as as a Eastern Conference uh fan who despised LeBron it's it's always nice to see somebody who like um well i guess he hasn't gone against lebron yet so we don't know for sure but it's nice to see somebody who's 100% sure that they're the best player on the court even if they're not like he went into this matchup against giannis and dame and he's like of course i'm better than them i'm i'm the guy here um and then it's like when you uh juxtapose that to like the the pelicans game later on it felt like zion was like eh, i don't know he's lebron i don't know <laughs> and, and i used to i used to get so mad growing up like like the watching it felt like paul george was like bowing down to lebron during games everyone in the east was was 
terrified of him. I was so mad. I was like, Shout out to um, – oh, you're except a Bulls fan. Me. Shout except... out to Joakim, Joakim yeah. Noah is what I was going to say. What's so good about Cleveland anyways? I don't hear anyone saying I'm going to Cleveland for vacation. That's a bar. Shout out to Joakim Noah. Yeah, see, they believed, but then they all exploded after t- 2011. So maybe that's a testament to LeBron's like uh, magic powers. Is like if you think you're better than him, he's just gonna fucking curse your ankles, your knees, and you're just gonna fall apart. Man, and the and the and the ultimate curse. You know who for sure believed he was better than LeBron? Carmelo Anthony. But he, they never put it together. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. All right. Uh, speaking of Halliburton being the guy, and speaking of how great Tyrese Halliburton is and how much everyone loves him and how good he's been and how stupid Sacramento was to trade him away, <laughs> how has the Kings-Halliburton trade aged for you? Who won the Halliburton trade? What What are your thoughts on this? So here's here's the thing. I am in the camp that the the Kings lost this trade. Because and I'll tell you why, Sabonis. I feel like having Sabonis on your roster puts a ceiling on you that you're never going to win a championship. I, that might sound harsh. As as fantastic as an offensive player he is, I feel like um, six nine, six ten, or whatever, like power forward guy who can't really guard anybody. I feel like you can't really exist at the highest levels of basketball with that guy on the court. And it would be one thing if he was like Jokic level offensively, but he's not, he's like, it's like bam level kind of maybe, maybe like he's literally he is. That's a great comp for him offensively. It's how yeah. I feel every time I watch him. Yeah. And so I, the second they made that trade, like when it comes to just Halliburton versus Sabonis in a vacuum, I think, I think um, like Sabonis is never going to be better. Like Sabonis is never going to reach the level of Halliburton right now. Um, and then the other big issue I have with the trade is is not even just them versus each other. I, it's There's an element to this trade that I think people have forgotten that they don't really talk about. It's that no nobody else knew Halliburton was available. Like, they didn't tell other teams, like, hey, we're willing to trade this guy. Everyone thought he was, like, untouchable. Damn, they, I forgot about that. Yeah, so they... They didn't like call around and get a market for Halliburton. They just decided, hey, we want Demonis Sabonis. We'll give you Halliburton. Like, and it's just, it's just very hard for me to believe that Sabonis was the best return for Halliburton that you could have gotten. And uh, like, and I, I feel like even if you don't go that route, even if you went a route where you like got a bunch of picks for Halliburton or something, I feel like you could probably get Sabonis with those picks in addition to something else. Um, I don't. I've I've tried to go back and look at who like the best options would have would have been. I think I I think like when you think of the Kings and like trade candidates, I think everybody always thinks like, oh, Bam Adebayo would be the perfect guy because he played with De'Aaron Fox in college. He does he can do like Sabonis's role on offense, but he actually can play defense too. But I don't know. I don't think realistically they they would have traded him. Like I was I was looking back like there's um there was an article from the time where they're like we're not trading him for Kevin Durant. And I'm like okay probably not. <laughs> Probably not for second year Halliburton then. <laughs> and so I don't know. I don't know exactly what better player they could have gotten. Um, but 
but I also don't think you had to make that move right then and there. Like you could have waited until he got a little better, waited till somebody cooler came into the market and then flipped him for, for that. Um, who, who knows who would have become of it? Cause we didn't know Halliburton was available. Who knows who would have become available when you're told, Hey, you could get Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and then, the other part of the Kings, this is like specific, specifically a Kings mistake. So they part with Halliburton and Fox because they're like, we don't think this could work. And it's like, okay, that's that's fine. That's that's not that's not a crazy thought to have. Um, two two guys who you think will thrive with the ball in their hands, it'll be like a little bit of a struggle. That's not crazy. What is crazy is trading Halliburton and then going out and drafting Davion Mitchell, who is a, <laughs> another guard. And he's like, he's like a 20, he's like a million years old at the time of the draft. I forget how old he is, but um, he's just like a six two defensive guard. And I know people will be like, well, he shot 40% from three and in, in college, um, he looks kind of like Donovan Mitchell at Baylor. He was, he was a fraud three point shooter everyone knew it he had one really good year everyone said he's gonna regress um and uh it was just it was just baffling like uh i think they i could be wrong on this but i think they could have taken um shen goon with that davion mitchell pick and then like i mean shen goon now who who'd you rather you you probably probably actually would you who who would you take right now shen goon or sabonis oh Fuck, that's hard, <laughs> um, dude. Is it is it Shangun right now? Oh man, because like, okay, Shangun playoffs question mark. Sabonis mm-hmm. playoffs stinky, not good. <laughs> um, and so I okay, out of respect, I'm gonna take the uh, the perspective of Kings fans in this argument just to kind of we're not I'm not gonna dunk all over Sacramento. I guess. I'll say Sabonis right now, but the fact that you're even like seriously entertaining it and Shangun's like a baby and Sabonis is 27, 28 years old, that kind of tells you like the difference in uh, like skill level between the two. I think when I look at this trade, I wrote down uh, from Sacramento's perspective when they made the trade, they are giving up a promising 21 year old to immediately access a level of competition they haven't been at in a decade and should be able to sus- should be able to sustain for like realistically five years. Could easily go longer than that, depending on like the health, the age, the way they tool the roster around their best players. Is that an insane move to make? Is that a move you would recommend against today if there was a bad team in a similar spot? As someone who really, like, I liked Halliburton, he was fun, and I would see, like, cool stats, was not tapped in to how he was playing. Like, what what was your uh, appreciation of him when the Kings made this move? Were you immediately like, holy fuck, fleece, this guy is going to be 27 and 12 while being the most efficient scorer in the league? Or was it just like, this is a nice young player. How are you feeling about Halliburton when they made the move? I definitely did not anticipate this level. (laughs) Um, But like at the time he was already like 13 and seven, like no turnovers at all. 40% three point shooter. I on it. It's hard. It's hard to look back and remember exactly what I thought his like, projection would be or like what kind of what level player he would um eventually ascend to but i i remember like immediate reaction i was like 
disaster. And I, I remember like JJ, JJ Reddick came out and immediately was like disaster. And everyone was so mad. They're like, you can't say that you're a, you're a, a big time analyst. Um, but I think, I think also there's a level of um, like for, for draft nerds, there's like, there was like a higher level of appreciation for Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. Cause everyone loved him at Iowa state. And he was like genuinely like, the most obvious basketball genius you're going to come across in college. He was, he was completely unbelievable, but um, yeah, at the, at the time, I don't know what I thought he would ascend to, but I think my, my biggest issue was just getting Sabonis back. Cause I was like, immediately you, you just, you just capped your future. And uh, like with Sabonis, you think, you think, um, okay, so, so maybe he's a four man um, and you could get like, maybe a rim protecting shot blocking center who could shoot threes next to him. Maybe that'll work out, but that's what he had in Indiana for years with Miles <laughs> Turner and they were, it didn't work. So I was like, I was like, this is just one of those guys. I, I just had a similar feeling like the day the bulls made the Vucevic trade was one of the worst days of my life. I, I just felt a similar way for, for the Kings. Um, but, but I do think it's different for them because I, I understand from their perspective, why um, giving yourself closer to a playoff level floor and taking away the championship ceiling, I understand why that might be more worth it for them than it would be to like me as a Bulls fan. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, now that like you're talking about how you, I remember like back when the trade happened, there was this split in my mind around Halliburton where you have uh 13 and seven with no turnovers on crazy efficiency and every time Fox got hurt or sat it was like holy fuck this this guy's so good (laughs) but simultaneously there's like that other voice in your head where there's a different timeline and Halliburton it's just the fact that he's like sharing the ball with Fox who is a pretty solid MVP candidate in his own right this year and has been really good for a long time and wasn't on scouting reports super heavily back then uh when you're going against the Kings in like 2021 or whatever it was he was like very up and coming uh and so like teams probably weren't 100% ready for him to be as good as he is and so like I I get I get why the Kings did it I understand why they did it and I don't know if I'm quite as hard on no championship ceiling as you are it would take it would take a lot the playoff matchups would need to be perfect every round um, and they would probably need some injury luck and even then I would like Sabonis to be able to hit an elbow jumper before I'm on that train and that's why like if you move Bam to Sacramento that gets crazy because he can hit that elbow jumper no problem he loves that mid-range and so you take away a little yeah, bit of scoring gravity at the rim. Crazy from mid range this year. I don't. I don't know if you've seen, but it's like something. Something crazy. Carry on. He's <laughs> well, like he always. I don't know. Like <laughs> he has always had that jumper, and so if you put that in a two man game with De'Aaron Fox, where you let either guy get to that spot on the floor, that fucking elbow, it's an automatic basket, and surround them with forty percent three point shooters, Kevin Herter, or whatever you want that. That's a team that I fear a little bit more in the playoffs, and I kind of wish they had Bam now, but they don't. They have Sabonis, and there are flaws in his game. And so, I don't know. I, From a perspective outside of Sacramento, just taking on, like, the average internet asshole who's looking at this <laughs> with, like, no hindsight, 
history is not going to be kind to this trade at all. Halliburton, to me, best player involved in it right now, on par with De'Aaron Fox right now, if not better, which will likely be the case soon. Um, And if Sacramento doesn't win a championship, I really don't see how people outside of Sacramento look at this as like a win-win trade. Like it rocks. The beam's sick. I like their team. But like Halliburton is his own beam and he's doing it in Indiana. He's giving the Pacers aura, man. That's... (laughs) That's hard. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I it's it's hard to be a Sacramento fan. Even your wins are losses sometimes. Yeah. If if I'm the Kings fan, I'll say this for them. I don't feel bad about like like I've seen some people say like, oh, trade trade Fox instead of Halliburton. That's the mistake. I don't I don't feel bad about keeping deer and Fox or having deer and Fox at all in any way. Like this is the like maybe the fastest guy in the league coming out of the draft. People were like, well, he's it, he'd be great if he ever developed a jump shot. And then it's like, okay, I'm just one of the best mid range shooters in the NBA now. I'm by I'm easily a capable three point shooter. Um, I I guys, Tyrese Halliburton is leading the best offense in the league this year. I did that last year. Um, and so I think I don't feel bad about having Deer and Fox on my roster at all. It just yeah, it just always comes back to Sabonis. And I do. So I think. Kings fans would push back and they they would say like Sabonis was so integral to that, to that number one offense. And that doesn't, there's like no other player that you could trade for with a skill set like that to run that kind of two man game and do that, like passing as a, as an offensive hub. And I, and when I was looking through the options, I guess that is true, but I just wonder like, is there, could they have been successful with with a different player and just playing a different style of basketball? Or was this always the only path to success for them? Yeah, I don't know. Famously, if you have a point guard who can average like 30 and six while sharing the ball with a guy who can't shoot and takes like a ton of your passing touches, if you can fit there, you can't fit anywhere else. So that's the only (laughs) style they had access to. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um, And I love Fox. And I think if they... Like, if you switch the guards and you're asking Fox to run the Carlisle offense, his numbers are fucking crazy. The same way that Halliburton's <laughs> are. It's like when you're sharing the ball with Sabonis, you do have to acknowledge that, like, he is such a good offensive hub that your numbers as a guy who initiates the offense are not going to look like Halliburton's do. And so the fact that Fox is still, like, he stepped into that scoring role perfectly. He's a very capable supplementary kind of like 50-50 passer with Sabonis, and they run the two-man game so well. I get it, and I wouldn't be mad if you're a Sacramento fan. It's just like, I don't know. It's the way it shook out. And to be honest, kind of similar to like the Paul George-Kawhi trade. If you don't know what Halliburton is going to become, most of the time it feels like Sacramento fans would make that trade again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, do you mean like with giving up Shea in in that trade? With yeah, just George? like the the way people are like, oh, dude, uh, the Clippers got fleeced for getting Paul. And I'm like, if it's 2019, Kawhi's coming off that run. Paul George was <laughs> yeah. just an MVP finalist. You're really gonna let Shea Gilgis Alexander, this kid, like he's gonna be the sticking point? And I mean, hindsight, yeah, he rocks down. But I don't know. You make that yeah. trade. That people. People will never convince me that was a bad trade. 30 out of 30 teams would have made that trade. I think every iteration of every 
front office of every team in NBA history would make that trade. It was Kawhi, Kawhi. It was Paul George, Paul George. And there were health concerns, but like, man, if honestly, if you could go, if they sent you back in time right now and they were like, you can do this trade and there's a chance they're it's it's a different timeline there's a chance they're he- they're healthy this time are you like let's do it or are you like oh shay's pretty Absolutely. good in the I, few years like, <laughs> dude the idea the idea well first of all if i'm the front office guy and it comes out that i didn't make that trade and i'm not i'm i don't give my job by the time shay gilders alexander <laughs> <Yeah>. is averaging <laughs> 30 points per game if it if it comes out that you passed on Kawhi leonard to keep this kid yeah, if if you gave me an opportunity and said, "Hey, uh, it's like a fifteen percent higher chance that these guys put it together with all the depth that the Clippers uh, assembled around them," and I don't love their team now, which we'll maybe get to in the plan tournament later and everything, but a few years back, like bubble area, right when the trade happened and they had really solid depth to go along with those two top tier guys. That was a team that if shit shakes out differently, if there's a little bit of health one way or the other, they could be a championship team. And that is really hard. Yeah, we I I feel like it, it looked, the bubble run looks a little bit different with the perspective we have now at the time. People were like, "Oh, they lost to they lost to Jokic, just Jokic. These guys are frauds." But now we look back and we're like, "Well, yeah, they lost to Jokic. He's Jokic." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they 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 somehow survived Luka Doncic shooting them all in the head with a desert eagle every single game. <laughs> that was that was crazy. Yeah, that might be the worst um, agenda series of all time. Just split 50-50 between people like wanting to shit all over Luca and he lost but averaged like the craziest stat line we've seen in years and then people wanting to shit all over Kawhi and Paul George but <laughs> like Luca's this force of nature that anybody in the league is going to have difficulty overcoming especially back then like there there was no reason for him to share the ball at all there was no Kyrie Irving on the team I guess Brunson was like maybe around or I don't even know if he was in the league at that point he might have been at Villanova still um no he uh, was there and and they had uh the corpse of Porzingis as well oh damn talk about (laughs) another thing that didn't work out holy shit um and you you want to know something i remember where i was when i got the notification that porzingis was going to the mavericks i thought it was going to change everything it was my (laughs) 9-11 but in a positive way what what is it what is there a positive news event that's like 9-11 that everyone remembers where they were for I don't know. We got to come up with that. We got to coin reverse 9-11. Like, I remember, yeah, maybe, like, my daughter being born or something like that. (laughs) But, like, it's not like everyone's daughter was born at the same time. Yeah. So, (laughs) my happy 9-11. We can just call it that for now. (laughs) My (laughs) 11-9. November 9th. Never forget. All right. So, Sacramento, sorry, guys, but we're moving on. We're talking about... Another pretty interesting game, not nearly as exciting of a finish. Um, Pelicans, Lakers, how how did you feel about this game? I was disappointed. I I was riding a high from the previous Pelicans game. I thought they looked really good. Zion had a subpar stat line against um, who was it? Was it the Kings or who did they? Yeah, it was before? the Kings. Their, yeah. their previous win. Yeah. Mm-hmm, it was yeah. The Kings. Uh, yeah, they um 
so Zion had a subpar stat line in that game. I went and rewatched it. I thought he played fantastic in that game. Like the offensive gravity that he was um, imposing on the Kings. He created so many open shots for his Pelicans teammates. I thought he had some good defensive possessions, like a little better than usual. And so I was so stoked. I was like, this is the chance. Zion redemption tour on the national spotlight in Vegas in front of all the degenerates. He's the king of the degenerates because of the <laughs> cheating, you know, and yeah. then he'll, he'll, he'll stick it to LeBron. He'll shove his elbow down LeBron's throat and, and he'll be nothing but an accordion. Like when the mallet falls on you and Tom and Jerry, this will be Zion Williamson. Everyone's back in. Everyone is a Zion Williamsonist. Um, but he, just seemed i don't know if he didn't care or if he uh was tired i'm willing to bet i would bet more on tired because he was just like walking the entire game and it was just disappointing he still went six for eight um but he just did not not a good game it was not a good game like the efficiency rocked but holy shit watching it in real time especially the second half my god yeah he it's like there was there was nobody physically equipped to handle you at the rim on that Lakers team. Even Anthony Davis, he's too little. I don't know why you don't attack more. He had like a Cam Reddish one-on-one. He didn't attack. I was like, do you feel bad because your former Duke teammates, you don't want to bully him in front of everyone in Vegas? Um he was not driving in from the perimeter. He would like go into these back down post-ups, which is something he can do, but it's not something I love because I, there was like, there was a study that I read years ago. I forget, I forget everything about it. So I guess it's basically useless, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they, they, the study said that um, you just essentially, you draw more free throws driving in from the perimeter rather than just starting with the ball down low and and operating from there so i with him i've all and they they tried to play zion like when he first came in the league they tried to play him as like a post-up threat and there if you remember there were a lot of zion doubters like gilbert arenas and stuff i think it's because they thought he they didn't watch him at duke and they thought he was a post-up guy and they thought like oh He's just going to be like this undersized bully ball post-up guy. But to me, he's always been um, just enormous Derrick Rose. And so I just want you driving in from the perimeter, racking up all these free throws. But you know what it fe- it felt a little bit like to me? He, um, Do you know what he shot from the free throw line? I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was it was, it was not atrocious. Like I- First six, he-, he was one of six. I don't know if he shot any more after that. Yeah, it, like I remember clearly seeing him miss two out of two. And so I wonder if he got a little gun shy because he was worried about drawing free throw because they, they can't stop him without following. So it felt like he probably got a little gun shy drawing free throws. And so for the rest of the game, he was just jogging, bringing the ball up, just just uh, being being like a hub, but not being an, an offensive threat in any way. And then defensively, it was just another rough game. It just seemed like he didn't care. Yes. Um, yes to everything you said. It's it's one of the most frustrating games I've watched from him in a long time, just in terms of everything that the Pelicans have been constructed for. Uh, there is a hole at the center of it that is the size of like 26 points per game on 60% from the field. That is like 
They need that. That it and if he's not on the floor, they have the personnel to win games in other ways. It feels like, especially like if you're considering the fact that you're swapping him out for a really good defender, especially if Nance comes back, you're going to have this rotation of just like very long athletic guys capable of doing a lot of different stuff defensively. But what really jumped out to me is the game uh, Pelicans were up one entering the second quarter. LeBron hit three straight pull-up threes, which like that was the big clip. Everyone lost their mind. And we'll get to LeBron in a second. He fucking rocked. Um, But like New Orleans just could not generate good offense for the entire rest of the game. Like every single shot they took, it felt like Doc Rivers was like, oh, that's tough jumper, stuff like that. And so if like if you're them and you're going against LA who not only was having a phenomenal shooting night but every other shot they took seemed like it was coming directly underneath the rim it's going to be really hard for you to keep up with that offensively cuz the pelicans are not a good defense they have good defensive pieces but i don't really see them like stopping a good offense pretty often and so like to me, that boils down to Zion and the way that he played. And especially, I think the free throw note was good because it did feel like he didn't want to go to the free throw line. And so a lot of the times he would get this angle where you're like, okay, he's going to the rim and he might convert it for an and one. He might make the layup. He might get fouled, go shoot two. He gets that angle. And like the second or third step he has towards the basket, it's a kick to the wing. It's a kick to the corner. And like it just felt really predictable and it never felt like the Lakers were that worried about him overwhelming them the way he should be able to like, why aren't you going into the chest of Jackson Hayes, man? What happened? What are we doing here? It was really frustrating. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember specifically when he like passed out of attacking Jackson Hayes, cause he was walking up to him like he was going to do something. And I was like, Oh my God, he's thinking back to the practice days. I used to put you in the rim. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yes, this is it. The comeback starts now. But he's like, ah, I'm, I'm not into it. He also like, um, also with him, like not being aggressive, there was a, uh, well, LeBron drew two charges on him, which is annoying. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, I don't know if you remember this. He took like a pull-up jumper like three feet away from the hoop. It was the, the Westbrook Mitty. Yes, dude. I, I remember it very clearly. It looking thing in the world. And then who was um, who was the commentator? Um, I forget who the commentator was. I think it was a woman commentator. Who was it last night? Do you remember? It was no? a WNBA player. Maybe... Is the, oh, it's Candace Parker. Yeah, yeah, it's Candace. Yeah. 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 She was like, um, uh, yeah, he's he's got to add this to his game. That's what we want to see more of. And I was like, I don't want more of that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'll say this. I don't know where people are with the belief in Zion's jumper. Going back to the Duke days, I've never been counting on the jumper. I've never believed in the jumper. I've never wanted to believe in the jumper. I do not think it's necessary. I think he's one of these rare players where you need to be able to hit free throws. The jumper doesn't matter. There's very few bodies in the NBA that are equipped to handle you at all. And the most frustrating part is right now he looks enormous. He looks very out of shape. Um, he's walking up the court. He looks gassed. He does. He looks like he doesn't want to play. When he does do things, he's still unstoppable. Like yes. even even in this shape, 
he's still completely unstoppable. They're still game planning for it. The night before the game, the coaches are saying when he gets the ball, we need at least four guys in the paint to handle this but he's just not interested i don't get it and yeah like you said the pelicans i when i looked before the game i think they were the 14th ranked offense and the 14th ranked defense and then today when i looked they were the 17th ranked offense and the 17th ranked defense so (laughs) it's it's just weird to have a team full of these like long athletic defenders herb jones is 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 like they were talking about doc uh doc rivers was like kneeling at the altar of herb jones during the game uh rightfully so uh trey murphy is a fantastic defender jose alvarado is a fantastic defender brandon ingram is long at least um zion uh even even though he like he doesn't play defense when he does play defense he's like um, explosive ground coverage, skying up for these blocks and everything. And so it, even when Zion's not playing, it feels like they should have the personnel personnel to be one of the better defenses in the league, but it just doesn't work. And I, I wonder, like, is, is he really, is he that damaging of a defender without, uh, by not trying? Or is there just something missing with this, with this Pelicans unit? Well, last night, I would say he was that damaging of a defender because you do want to be able to rely on him to be like a help side contest ish for anything LeBron does getting into the paint as far as like helping Herb Jones out. Herb's got his fucking hands full. He's giving up like 40 pounds in that matchup. It seems <laughs> like, um, and so, yeah, like it, every defensive possession, it seemed like Zion was walking around, but you do like you hit on it <laughs> He looks like Escalade from And One Mixtapes right now, but then you see his <laughs> his first step is like fucking. He breaks the speed of sound sometimes. He's so <laughs> explosive, and it's a uh, going back to his high school days. It's always been this thing where watching him move through space, you're like, this is not how like the human body is supposed to function, and it's just like this very cognitive dissonance. You don't know what you're looking at. Now more than ever, because he is out of shape, but he still has that athleticism. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I would, I wrote down a list of things that I uh, was kind of not happy about Zion. Hustle, defensive IQ, defensive motor, conditioning, scoring aggression, predictability, predictability on offense. And I felt like all of that was just like, a driving factor in the Pelicans loss. And to be fair, we are shitting on him because it was like visually apparent that shit was wrong. None of the other Pelicans played well. And if they do, uh, maybe it's a closer game. Honestly. Yeah. I'm, I was so in, I was so in my feelings about Zion. I was so down. I don't even know what anyone else did in that game. Did, do you have the box? score? Uh, Off the top. What did Ingram do? I think, okay, so the box score, I don't remember. I didn't really look at the end of the game because I recorded my video on this uh, at the <laughs> end of the third quarter at the 40-point lead mark. Um, Trey casual. Murphy had, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, dude, just skipping the fourth. He, they made it close. They made a run. It's closer than the score suggests. Um, yeah. The starters, I remember there was only two in double digits. It was like him and Valanchunas. And Zion had 13 points, led the starters, and the efficiency from the box score looked fine if you ignore the free throws. Um, Ingram had nine shit efficiency. Nobody shot like close to 50% from the field. They shot pretty horribly. 
from three-point range. I want to say like 20%. And yeah, I mean, like, it's just the fact that you don't remember anyone else doing anything. And so like Zion was glaringly apparent, but the fact that nobody else like helped at all, it's, yeah, I, I would expect more from a Pelicans team that we uh, tout as having so many good players, even if they're not like, even if their record doesn't reflect it. Yeah, it's it's just like they're they're the sleeping contender when everyone when everyone's playing how they're supposed to, they're a contender, but they just don't do it. <laughs> uh, and can you imagine like twenty twenty one Zion on this team? Because I think about it all the time, and he, like the fit is there. The they have the opportunities for him to like excel at all the stuff he did well that year, and he just doesn't do it anymore. I'll tell you what. I'm not even like not even that Zion. If we put Duke Zion in the NBA, I I legitimately believe 100% that's the best Zion ever. Like even the Zion that averaged whatever 27 on 60% true shooting, like best best uh, rim finishing numbers whatever. I don't think that's better than Duke Zion. I think if you drop Duke Zion into yesterday's game or any NBA game, he is playing better than any Zion we've ever seen. He was in great shape. He was flying around everywhere defensively. People won't remember this. I'll remember this because I died for <laughs> Zion. But he, what was so different about him was he kind of he came into college as like a mystery. Um, because he was, he was like this high school, just mixtape guy. And like, you'd see videos. It's like, oh my God, this huge guy is doing all these dunks, but he's playing against a uh, five, six, uh, white kid who hasn't hit puberty. Um, <laughs> and, and, like how real is this? And I, I remember like, um, he went to, he went to a team USA basketball camp and he weighed in at 280 uh like 67 280 and everyone's like whoa he's 280 i can't believe he's 280 um and but he still looked like jack back then um that was like in shape zion that was 280 and um then then we went uh going into that year rj barrett was thought to be like for sure number one pick because he had beaten like team usa at a youth level and that never happens and so they go on this canadian tour like they play mcgill university and a bunch of like duke, duke <laughs> plays all these canadian universities what like one game of zion everybody's like this is it this is the guy this is this is this is a goat this is a future goat and the he was he tried so hard every game. He was diving on the floor for loose balls. He was crossing the court. He was uh, on one end of the court. DeAndre Hunter shooting a three on the other. He's jumping. He's setting the world record, long jump record to block a shot. His, his steal rate, his block rate, everything was crazy. He's flexing all the time. He's yelling, ah, and, and oh my God, he just, I, you never in a million years could you have convinced me in 2019 that this is a guy who's going to end up not caring about basketball. Oh my God. Exactly. It's, That's just what the, I was thinking. It was like, it's, dude, it's the greatest tragedy in basketball history. Maybe. Oh, like I did the, the motor he played with at Duke constantly. Every time he was on the floor, was trying to do everything all the time. And it's just 
Yeah, I, I don't know. And I he's only 23 at this point, and maybe he's a guy who a change of scenery helps. Maybe he's a guy who just, like, figures it out at some maybe, point Maybe this Chicago season. brings out the best in him. Maybe he, like, wants to come <laughs> to Chicago. I don't know. I like maybe... The Windy City. I can guarantee, just based on vibes, if he goes to Chicago, he's done with basketball in, like, two years. Like, he's just out of the league. Um, it, it's her, like uh, there's going to be a nuclear explosion in Chicago and we're going to be like, <laughs> what happened? And then it's going to be like, oh, somehow this is the first human ever recorded instance of this happening. Somehow Zion William- Williamson's knee caused an atomic blast with the second he stepped foot in the Bulls training center. The weirdest thing in the world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, you if you told me that Zion, like uh, like a major joint injury to Zion caused like an explosion that brought down a building just with all the force that he stores in his body when he jumps, wouldn't surprise me. He's insane. All right, we're, we're done. We're done shitting on Zion because we're praising my glorious king, LeBron. Lepuki, yay. Not he my did king. So good. He did so I'm good a, last night. I'm a hater. I'm doing this begrudgingly. Okay, well, I mean, fuck you, buddy. Uh, it was, I don't know. Uh, I think LeBron has been so good this season, and oh, I'm not even like a huge LeBron guy. Uh, it's just, it's this thing, it's like living next to the mountains or something is growing up watching LeBron, where you just look out the window and it's, it's like there every day, every single day, ah, and it's like beautiful and sick. But at some point, you're just used to living next to the mountains. It's like, dude. Oh, cool. The most efficient 30-point game you've ever <laughs> dropped at 39 years old. Oh, my God. You're going up against the guy who was like you, you were his athletic comparison coming out of college, and he was supposed to be this complete overwhelming physical guy, and you're just going like bar for bar with him despite the fact that you're geriatric. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, I think the official title for this segment is where does LeBron currently rank amongst the league's best players, but we can talk about his game last night or just his season so far, whatever you want to do. Let's get into it. All right. All right. So would you take him over Jokic? No. Me neither. Would you take him over Steph? Is Steph your number two? It's not in any, I have a top, I, yeah, it's not in direct order. Okay. Um, I, I went I, by the, the Ringer's top 100 order. <laughs> Petulant Trey Young, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm. I'll. I'll say no. I won't take him over stuff. Uh. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Uh. Joel Embiid. Um. In a playoff series, I would very seriously consider it. Or if like I needed to make a playoff run, but for the regular season, and if I'm like a GM trying to get seating and everything, I would still go and bead. Yeah, me too. Um, Luca. No. Uh, Giannis. No. All right, we're in agreement, and then here on out. This is where this is or we're in the territory. Jason Tatum. Yeah, that's right where it gets gnarly for me, too. That's my list. I have two tiers of uh, I have Jokic and Giannis. Clear. Yes, you're taking them over. Luka Embiid, Steph, 99%. Yeah, like it's not the same tier of players, the first two. But yeah, you're probably doing it. And then the next one I have Kevin Durant, Tatum, Shea, 
and LeBron right now is like just the four that I, a quick look through of what the league looks like. I was like, I, I think LeBron's right there with all of those players. Yeah, I th- I think it's like Tatum, Booker, Durant, SGA, Edwards, and may- maybe Halliburton. But like I was thinking like realistically, let's just say for this season only, would you rather, if you're a Celtics fan, would you rather have Tatum or would you rather have LeBron with that roster? <laughs> Oh my god. Um I guess I'd probably I don't know. I think I might rather have Tatum just in the sense that like uh he's a way more reliable three-point shooter it feels like and it's something that the Celtics roster can't function without uh like they live and die by the three and Jalen Brown I don't feel comfortable with like handing the reins to be one of the primary floor spacers and Porzingis is like really uh, in and out of the lineup as far as health goes. And I think that's just like the situation they're going to be in with him for the whole season. So for the Celtics roster, I would probably take Tatum, but like situation to situation around the league, there's plenty where LeBron fits better. Yeah. I think, I think I'm just straight up at the point. I think, I think, I think to me he's the sixth best player in the league this year so far. He's not, <laughs> all right. So I got I got some propaganda for you. All right, so, let's get it. So twenty five points a game on sixty four percent true shooting. Um, that's like the highest he's been in forever. That's that's like Miami years. Um, eight rebounds a game, seven assists per game. Uh, two point one steal rate, which is really good. First time above two since. 2015 2016 you know what happened then championship um 41 percent from three on six attempts per game 77 percent at the rim in cleaning the glass has him as a 92nd percentile rim finisher this year um the free throw numbers are the one thing that's like doesn't look like old lebron he's only getting there six times a game and he's still he's shooting like low 70 percent um but uh the on-off right now with him on the Lakers, what would you guess that the Lakers are? Like, how many points better do you think the Lakers are with him on the court? Oh, man. I hate to be someone who overguesses. I'm going to say they're plus 12 with him on the court. Plus 21.2 with Holy him on the court. He is, he is in Jokic territory. Uh, and this is... This obviously we're we're not at the end of the season, but this is higher than any season he's ever had. Like even going back to the Cleveland days, it it's never been this high. And so it just feels like we we still have a version of LeBron who is unstoppable getting to the rim, like unstoppable finishing at the rim, um, carrying this Lakers team, still a fantastic passer, and he's playing fantastic defense again. And so it's it's hard to pick very many guys over him and yeah like like you said like um and beat in the regular season you can't really take lebron over him because Embiid is like the leading scorer in the league it's still super efficient crazy rim protecting but like when you get into the playoffs like honestly in a in a playoff series the only person i would feel like 100 percent comfortable saying Oh, my guy will outperform LeBron. I think it might only be Jokic. Yeah, I feel pretty similarly, especially the prerequisite for LeBron. It's hard because you're looking at this like I need 
six straight healthy weeks out of this 39-year-old after asking mm-hmm. him to carry a really big load during the regular season. And that's sketchy. But if you get like if if you guarantee me that, and even if you guarantee it for everyone else in the conversation, like you tell me Joel Embiid hundred percent will be healthy for the playoffs, I would I'd still go LeBron over him. Um I would still go LeBron over Kevin Durant. I would still go LeBron Giannis is a little bit sketchy to me. I think if you ask either one of them to like cook the Celtics with a healthy Porzingis, that's going to be a series where they get their numbers. It's going to be ugly percentage wise. Uh, <laughs> it's just going to be really rough. But the fact, yeah, I mean, he's right there with all of the league's best players at 39 years old. It's fucking crazy. And I don't know. Um, I want AD to do more offensively because I want to see this version of LeBron in the postseason. And I'm really glad the Nuggets won last year because if LeBron, that foot injury had his jumper so fucked up by the end of the season last year, like every LeBron pull up in the Nuggets series, I was like, dude, like sigh of relief fully. This is a brick. I don't care. I'm totally okay with that shot. So far this season, every time he pulls up, like, the the mid-range pull-up is good. And so, like, the threes are falling easy at that point because it feels like if you can let him get set behind the arc and he's, like, catching and shooting, he's a really capable shooter or that dumb little, like, look down off the dribble. He's been phenomenal. And so, yeah, can't say enough how much we love LeBron on this channel. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, six feels really solid. And, like, if you wanted to – be a bronze sexual and someone wanted to argue like oh he's really four i'd be like dude i'm not digging my heels in this is lebron james so we can talk about whatever i think if we revisit this at game 60 uh, he's old and it might be hard to sustain this level of production and really the priority for the lakers is like making him as healthy as possible entering the postseason as opposed to like seeding being the biggest issue in the world as long as they're out of the play-in tournament but yeah, LeBron rocks. It's it's so funny though. Like, so Dwayne Wade was his was his like sidekick, but they were the same age. And then Dwayne Wade dies, and LeBron lives on. He's like, I'll I'll carry on your legacy. I'll go on without you. He gets Kyrie Irving. He's like, you're my young protege. We'll we'll go to the stars together. You'll carry my torch. Um. He has outlived Kyrie Irving. It seems Kyrie Irving is on the downswing. <laughs> um, they, he gets Anthony Davis. He's like, this is finally it. You're the guy. You're going to be able to take my mantle. I'll live on through you. It seems Anthony Davis might be past his prime <laughs> before LeBron has has declined. It's it's really, it's Edward Colon-esque. Oh, damn. Get him in the sunshine. Let's see if he sparkles, people. Um, <gasps> dude, Candace Parker had a really funny uh, announcer moment last night where she was like, they were talking about the Pelicans trade AD to the Lakers, and she was like, well, when AD was in New Orleans, he was mostly known as this defensive guy, and he's really stepped into his own offensively since he got on the Lakers. And I was like, what fucking league? AD in New Orleans was like 40 points every three or four games, it seemed like. He was so good. And especially yeah, it's uh, like 28 his last year there. So yeah, and the, uh, the, the mid-range, his mid-range was like BAMs in uh in New Orleans. <laughs> like he was a phenomenal mid-range scorer. And since bulking up, since he came to the Lakers, he just like he's one of the worst in the league this season, and he's been really bad for like two or three straight years at this point. 
it, it looks good. It's a mechanically sound jumper. I don't think it's ever coming back. I think the durability issues are going to plague him for the rest of his career. And yeah, LeBron might like if we get one more run where it's ancient LeBron and like a new co-star. Oh, that'd be so funny. <laughs> oh my God. I wonder, man, the Bronny, Bronny's about to play uh, for USC. Could happen. Could happen. <laughs> um. All right. Well, LeBron rocks. Super hot takes on this. I think the last thing we're going to get into here, we're breaking an hour. Um, The play-in tournament. The way I have it right now, I think I checked this at like 1 a.m. last night. So unless they played a secret <laughs> game I don't know about, the East is 7, the Heat, 8, the Cavs, 9, the Nets, 10, the Hawks. And then the West is 7, the Suns, 8, the Pels. Clips are the 9 seed. And then the Rockets are the 10th spot. How are you feeling about where those teams are currently at? Do you think anybody's going to claw their way out of the playing tournament? Maybe stink out the opposite end? How are we feeling? You know who's interesting now is the Los Angeles Clippers. Let me read a tweet from the great Jackson Frank. Harden, first 11 games, averaged 14-6 and six on 61% true shooting. Clippers had a four and seven record. Harden, his last four games, twenty one and eight, and the the, the second numbers assist. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're shooting, uh oh, Clippers three, they are the sixth defense in the league and um, the fourteenth best offense. And I don't know if you saw the um, thinking basketball video that Ben Taylor did about the Clippers. But uh, essentially, like, their offense is generating a bunch of open looks. They're, they are creating advantages for each other. But, like, all, all the stars, when they get the ball, they just, like, slow it down. They're just like, well, hold on. Let's, let's let the defense reset, and then I'll attack. Let me, let me get in my bag. Let me cook. And uh, so that feels like a realistic area of, of improvement. Like they go through and watch the film and they're like, let's play faster. And when we play faster, when we have Kawhi, Paul George and James Harden attacking advantageous situations, that seems like an offense that could come up to being top 10. And so I'm I'm interested in the Clippers. The Clippers might be back. Are you in on the Clippers? Uh, no, I think the Clippers fucking suck, and I think uh, <laughs> I think Jokic's awful night against them the other night. I think that was cheating, and uh, I think Jackson Frank <laughs> only only plugged that propaganda because he's a Philadelphia fan and he doesn't. Whoa! Like yeah. Whoa! It's all connected. <laughs> oh my god! No, I, I see what you're talking about, and I definitely think um the talk about moving quicker when you catch fucking basketball paul george and Kawhi leonard have been playing carmelo anthony basketball for like (laughs) two straight years at this point where you catch it in a spot you're comfortable and you analyze the floor and a mid-range is probably going up but you're analyzing the floor anyways and maybe i don't know maybe something good happens out of it they like it's a huge um like mindset shift in terms of how the entire team is playing basketball going from something like that, where you have two guys who really thrive in isolation settings. And instead now where the ball's not sticking, we like it when those guys score for us, but we would rather like catch the defense off guard and we're going to generate as a team more 
better offense that way. And I think they're trending in that direction. Um, Harden really stunk the first few games there. And with uh, with uh, Westbrook going to the bench, that has noticeably like impacted how he's able to play. And that, that was good for Westbrook. I don't really like him on the bench for them. I think he's been pretty bad. And I think their bench unit has been pretty bad as well. But uh, as far as like maximizing the talent of their best players, I think they are trending in the right direction. They do have the eighth highest strength of schedule remaining. And so like that is a bit of a gauntlet to be figuring stuff out on the fly. It's not the end of the world. Uh, This is three like all-star caliber guys, theoretically. So they should be able to win basketball games against good teams. But if you lose a step or if Paul George or Kawhi miss time, which like, I'm going to hold my breath. I'm going to knock on wood. They have been shockingly healthy this season. Maybe unreasonably healthy if you like <laughs> came to expect this as a Clippers fan. So, yeah, I think uh, if either one of those guys misses time and it takes a little bit longer for them to really reach this free-flowing offense, I am a system James Harden situation – it could get it could get scary for them, but I think they're ceiling. I wouldn't want to play them in the first round. I'll say that much. Yeah, the see one of the benefits of the tough uh, strength of schedule is that they have this up and coming young buck. His name is Terrence Mann. He's only been able to rent a car for two years, um, so it'll be nice. He'll he'll get some experience, much needed experience for a young guy. Um, but you mentioned their bench at some point, I think. I, I, I did, yes. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you know who has the third best bench in the league by net rating via NBA.com? That is the Golden State Warriors. Is Chris Paul leading an elite bench unit? What's going on there? <laughs> That's crazy. Damn. I think... He's good, and that's always going to make sense to me. Is like, look, you take this guy who hasn't been relying on explosiveness or athleticism for like eight years at this <laughs> point. You take him, and he's really smart and really crafty, and you put him against a bunch of guys who are like fighting for their spot in the league and like not really like the cream of the crop. If you put him against non starters, I think Paul is super capable of running like a cohesive unit that gets a lot of good looks. However, uh, that's also a player that you really cannot play at the end of basketball games and you're paying him a ton of money. So like for as much advantage as he creates for you with like how, how much it rocks to have a good bench unit. I wonder, this is my question. I talked about this on nerd Sush. Zach Levine to the warriors. Uh, <laughs> if you had, if you had to give up like Chris Paul to do that or Clay Ooh. Thompson to do that, what, like, how would you feel about something like that? I think, I think, um, so Chris Paul, Chris Paul, I think just wouldn't happen cause they don't really have the picks to, or like any, unless, unless, you know what, who knows, who knows with this Bulls front office, they might still think Jonathan Kuminga is the next great developing young wing. So maybe they'll be like, hey, if you throw Kuminga in this deal, we'll do it. We'll do it. Um, but but outside of a completely disastrous, apocalyptic end of my life trade, um, Zach Levine to Chris Paul or for Chris Paul, I think it probably would have to be Zach Levine for Clay Thompson. And again, like with I just don't 
believe that they would do that because he he just has too much value for them sentimentally. And I think it would. So remember they like when Wiggins first came there and Kelly Oubre was there and they had this roster full of like young gun athletes and we realized like, hey, it's it's actually you have to be like a, a high feel player to really make the most of all the advantages that um, <laughs> Steph Curry is generating for you. So I don't know. I believe in time Zach Levine could adjust, but I think it would be growing pain. So I think there's a chance that if they did that trade this year, that he might like, they might regret it. They might be like, wait, we traded our, one of our guys, like our storied guys for a guy who's okay. Like he's better than Clay Thompson, but he's, he's not that good. And um even even as horrible as defensively as Clay Thompson has been, there might be some value in um, like him just knowing the system and having familiarity with like Draymond Green and Steph and on all their tendencies and knowing where to be. Um, so I think as much as I love Zach Levine, I think in a vacuum he's clearly a better player than Clay Thompson. I I wonder if that trade might be just a little too risky for them, just considering all that they have at stake with Clay. But, oh man, they need something. They 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 don't have the firepower. They're fifteenth. They're the fifteenth ranked offense, sixteenth ranked defense. So they're just mid, 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 extremely mid. Um, it's oh brother. And they, well, I don't and, know. And, I, you know who's not mid is Steph Curry. He's still Steph Curry. <laughs> well, that's my whole thing. Is like. If you're coming at this, like, fuck the fans, fuck all that. Yeah. Like, if you're, if you're coming at this from the perspective of the front office, you have a player who you are probably never going to see on your team the caliber of this guy again. Like, you're going to draft another top, like, 12 player of all time? Fuck off. Okay. So now I'm that we've established... the next best shooter ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, so once you establish that, at that point, it sucks to lose Clay Thompson. I get it. The emotional. It's it's awful. Everyone's crying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it's like Apollo 13 in their fucking decision room. Everyone's just like, oh no, oh fuck. <laughs> but like when you if if that is what it takes to maximize the final few years of Steph Curry being Steph Curry, I'm on board for it. And I am not somebody who's been around for like tapped into the emotion of the Warriors and I don't love Clay Thompson. I feel like he's cool. I like <laughs> he smokes weed with his dog and stuff, I guess. But oh. beyond that, like I don't care about him that much. So it's a pretty straightforward something's got to change. Feels like it needs to be him because if it can't be Draymond, like I, his value is weird. Like I, I respect everything he does on the court and how much he adds for them defensively and like maximizing Steph Curry's off ball movement. But I don't think you're really going to like, like a lot of the stuff with clay is you're letting his money expire. You're just getting like a ton of money off the books and shit like that. Like, I don't think he's, if anyone moves for him, it's not going to be to add his uh, play to their arsenal. Yeah. I mean, un- unless like, Orlando was like, hey, he'll bounce back with us. So we need shooting. <laughs> um yeah, Draymond, Draymond is still incredible incredible. And there's like there's there's not a trade out there where you get a Draymond level no, like someone no. better than Draymond in a trade. Um so yeah, they're not gonna move him. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you who's most responsible for for 
tarnishing the end of Steph Curry's career for removing him from contention. You know, it's a man who was on TV last night. Bob Myers, the war criminal. Do not let him whitewash his actions. Do not let him fade into the media and just become a regular guy and say, oh, I built the team and I just happened to leave. No, you are responsible, Bob Myers. You are a disaster. I need a sip of water before I go further into this. I hate <laughs> Bob Myers. Say something for a few seconds while I take my sip. Um, I have to say, like, as again, someone who doesn't care about the Warriors and has, I, I'm not that sad that they're not that good anymore. Like, you had a good run. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care. You got four titles. You're t- it doesn't matter to me. I am happy that they didn't hit on those picks. Like, the idea that... (laughs) Bob Myers! (laughs) Bob Myers! He will try and tell you they've been leaking that the Warriors' ownership pushed him (laughs) to pick James Wiseman. He said, oh, I didn't want to make that pick, but they forced him upon (laughs) me. You know what? That's not true, Bob Myers. I was there. I listened to how you talk about him. Bob Myers drafted James Wiseman because they went to dinner and he spoke Mandarin and Bob Myers was impressed. That's the reason why James Wiseman was, (laughs) I don't want to call him a fraud because that's a little harsh. James Wiseman's EYBL numbers were not good. He didn't play in college. He was never supposed to be a top pick. But you frauds didn't do your work. You overdrafted him. He was just a regular big man. Everyone knew. Jackson Frank knew. How did you not know, Bob Myers? You put Anthony Edwards through the Steph Curry workout. You said, oh, he can't do the Steph Curry workout. He's lazy. He sucks. Even if we <laughs> had the number one pick, we don't Fuck want that guy. We Get him out of here. Edwards. Did they put James Wiseman through the Steph Curry workout? I don't think so. They put him through the Kavon Looney workout or something. Um, they that was a disastrous pick. You don't take you, you just don't take that guy. And I I wanted them to take Devin Vassell at the time. Um, not not because I thought he Devin Vassell has turned out completely different. Um, like now he's an offensively focused player um, whose defense is kind of shaky. It was the complete opposite back then, but there were so many better options. Like they could have taken Halliburton. Apparently they were considering it, but they chose Wiseman. I don't Holy know. Shit. That, that would be out. insane. <laughs> um, they could have taken LaMelo. I mean, if, I mean, his body is having trouble holding up, but that was a disaster. But then they doubled down. They took Kuminga. You don't take, these athletic raw project picks when you have Steph Curry, you have Draymond Green, you have Clay Thompson, you have everything figured out. You don't need to take the guy who might be good in five years and extend your legacy into the beyond. You you have Steph Curry right now. You draft guys who can help Steph Curry in the immediate short term. Moses Moody, that was okay. Um, he didn't change your life, but you could have, you could have. It's all on Bob Myers. You Holy shit! It. He didn't, and he's trying to escape from his war crimes. He is, I don't know who he is. Who he's? Uh, John Bolton is that the guy's name? He's he's like, um, he's like I I helped organize coups, and now he's on CNN. He's he's freaking George oh. Bush. See, see out, me through this whole soliloquy. Bit. I think uh, 
I I felt like he's the guy in Phil Collins in the air tonight. You're watching him watch another guy drown. You're watching him watch Steph Curry drown, and you're like, I know what you are, pal. I see you over there. And the, yeah, like uh, he's got a life preserver, and it's it's the Lamelo Ball pick, and he's just holding it, and he's throwing James Wiseman at the problem. And yeah, dude, uh, shout out to Christian Brown for being a good contribute immediately draft pick. Shout out to the Denver Nuggets for being smart. And yeah, like. I'm not even I'm not a big draft guy. I, like I pay a little bit of attention uh, and it's fine. I think it's fun, uh, but I'm not the smartest guy at evaluating talent. I'm way too nice to people and their flaws. <laughs> uh, but immediately I was like, wait, you you have like maybe the best player on the planet when they took him. Like Steph Curry was at the absolute peak of his powers if he's even lost like a fraction of a step since then. And you took two guys who are going to be good in five years. Like, they're going to be really, like, hitting their stride once they've settled into the NBA and everything. You could win a championship tomorrow, man. What's going on? And, yeah, that is really gnarly that he's like, there's the front office. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I see you, tech bro. I see you, Silicon Valley man. He spoke He spoke Mandarin, and you were like, oh, I have some Chinese friends. I'd be really impressed by this. <laughs> and so now, yeah, it fucked up the entire – it fucked up the entire franchise, man. And now you got to trade Clay Thompson because of it. That's on you, Bob Myers. God damn it. And he didn't even have to make a pick. He could have traded those picks for NBA veterans. But he was, you know what? He got, they thought they were light years ahead. You know what? You are light years ahead. And you know where you're heading towards? Black hole, idiot. Oh, shit. Spaghettification, baby. Yeah, I guess that's, I mean, that's really the, I will never be comfortable with an NBA team straddling a rebuild and a competitive uh, moment in their franchise at the same time. And the Warriors are a really good example of that not working because, yeah, like, I guess you could point to the Spurs getting Duncan with that one tank year and being like, well, that's a situation where it worked. But if you're not hitting on fucking Tim Duncan, it's probably going to go really poorly for you. Hey, you, you know who they drafted? Kawhi Leonard. Old man, defensive lockdown pick won't give you much offense. That's what we said at the time. But he's he's mature. He can defend. He he, he keeps his mouth closed. He gets his uh, shirt dirty and he defends. And that, but then they were like, "Hey, well, I guess he's way better than that." <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of magically. I don't know that Spurs system. Uh, all right. Uh, any like I'm looking at the rest of these teams in the playing tournament, which the Warriors aren't even in. That's so fucking funny that we just <laughs> grinded out 15. They're close. <laughs> They're like a game out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the West is completely different. Like it feels like the East. Uh, it's going to be a little bit harder to make it out of, whereas the West, it's going to be different every week when you check in. I think the Rockets are kind of interesting because they were good. And they've stunk recently. And I don't know their recent record, uh, but I just I know the vibes have not been as good in terms of like, oh, all the Grizzlies shit. They, they were really relying on Dylan Brooks to win all these games. And now Houston slowed down a little bit and the Brooks hype is dying down. And I don't know, Shangoon rocks and I'm uh, bigger on them now than I was prior to the season still. But it just feels like they're coming back down a, a little bit to earth. Yeah, they, they so they are 
the last time we checked in on them on here, they were the fifth-ranked defense. They are now the fourth-ranked defense, but they are the 20th-ranked offense. So somehow this team is is having major offensive issues. It might have something to do with Fred Van Vliet being the worst finisher in the entire <laughs> NBA. I cannot believe I saw that, that video. <laughs> the yeah, way you – Fred Van Vliet, what the hell are you doing <laughs> down here, man? I couldn't believe it. He's down there below D'Anthony Melton, Dante DiVincenzo, 35% of the rim or something. It's crazy. Um, and then and then I saw a video of him uh, like giving advice to young guards, and he's like, you have to play defense. You have to pick up full court. You're not going to get a chance in the NBA. Um, if, unless you're Trey Young, you're not going to get a chance at that as an undersized guard. And I was just thinking, like, I don't. Are you still that guy? I don't even know. I feel like you're. I feel like you're kind of closer to the Trey Young spectrum. Not defensive, yes. like he's he's not that bad, but still, he's like very small, and he's just a guy who chucks threes. <laughs> so, uh, but he, yeah, the Rockets. Um, I don't know about the vibes. I did just see a video of Tari Eason dancing with Boban in the locker room. They were doing some pretty good footwork, so maybe the vibes are are salvageable. They're okay. But um, yeah, I don't know. As I think, I think it's just incredibly, incredibly clear now. This is a Shengun team. Everything has to go through Shengun. He's the guy, um, and it's it's just on everybody else to catch up. And so I do wonder if if that's going to happen in the Fred VanVleet era, or if those reins have to be passed off to somebody else. Also, Amen Thompson is back in the G League, and he's looking. Pretty, pretty enticing. He is. He had a big triple double. It was funny. He's putting up video game numbers on guys who just they'll never see the league, but he's just cooking the shit from man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think with the uh, comeback down to earthness of it all, that's when you take a look and you're like, oh, they gave Van Vliet three years instead of they couldn't could have given him because yeah, like now. You are – I don't mind the Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks era. It's fine. It's worked out way better than I thought it was going to. But the fact that you're pretty committed to this for like the next two or three seasons and you can't – it's not a very tradable contract. Uh, it's a ton of money. And he's like 40 mil, right? That's Zach Levine money. And people, people think <laughs> yeah, Zach Levine's can... too expensive. Fred Van Vliet's making 40 million. <laughs> yeah, dude. And so I think – they're kind of stuck with it, and it'll probably overlap with them paying one of these young guys, if not more. Feels like their contracts will be up soon enough. And so if the Shangun mm-hmm. era doesn't fully take off for four years, that'll be sad. I think they'll figure out a way to work around it. And I don't know. They have a really good, uh, really easy strength of schedule for the rest of the season. It's like 28th. It's just also, if anything goes wrong in the West, if you go on like a big skid, it's going to be really hard to – crawl your way back up the rankings every they have like they're 11 deep with solid teams it seems like yeah it's it just it's just the vibes are not this year but but soon once once um because just just like just based off the talent on this roster that that should not be the 20th ranked offense and so if, no. if you're if you're this good at defense already um, with Shengun starting, and a lot of people, a lot of people would not have thought that uh, a fourth-ranked defense was possible with Shengun. I, I've been optimistic about Shengun's defense since Turkey. Even I didn't anticipate this. So um, he's blown me away defensively, just in terms of 
I don't know. You get to. I feel like I've said it on here before. The baby Jokic moniker. Everyone thinks they can fucking go at him and get to the rim, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, he's actually a shockingly good athlete, and he's really seven feet tall, and he'll he'll block you, man. And he's really he's a solid contest. He's got some lateral movement issues, but what seven footer doesn't? He's been really good defensively. He he's he's a, incredibly strong, and he's got great hands. And yeah, I'm I'm hoping it lasts. Um, let's see who else in the West who. If you had to bet on Phoenix or the Pelicans, who who are you hitching your horse to? I I feel like if we get like 40 games where Booker plays 35 of them, which is a huge ask uh, considering how he started this season, I would feel more comfortable in the Suns getting out of the play-in tournament or at least like maintaining the top seed than I would with the Pelicans and Pelicans had won four straight prior to the walloping last night in Las Vegas but I still the identity it's just weird I I like them and I think I wouldn't want to play them in the play-in tournament because I like one game I think the Pelicans can win no problem and I think they'll be a tough matchup for whoever draws them in the playoffs if they see the postseason but Booker just night in, night out, very steady, has really excelled in the point guard role in a way that we kind of saw was possible back in the bubble, back when he had like Eric Bledsoe next to him or whoever. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, he's been really good. And if you just like trot out Durant next to him or Durant and Beal or even just Beal, I think they'll give most teams competitive games on most nights. That that was going to be my next question. Like, how much are you factoring in Beal to these plans? Because it feels like it feels like the uh, the NBA collectively has just been like, oh, he hurt his back, he's out of here. We don't care about him anymore. He's never <laughs> coming back. And I I don't I haven't kept up with this. So I don't know if it's true or not. But it feels crazy that that was like the huge swing they took this off season. Like, bye bye Chris Paul. Um, we're we're getting uh. Yeah, we're getting him, and he hasn't played, and it just they're still they're still like impressive in a way because Kevin Durant is ageless, and then Devin Booker has just uh, maybe maybe Devin Booker just absorbed whatever energy Bradley Beal had left, and and now he's just going to carry them. But yeah, they're they are the ninth ranked offense and the eighteenth ranked defense, and so I wonder. I feel like there's room for improvement on offense, but. I don't know about the defense. I just don't know if they'll <laughs> yeah. if they'll if they're gonna have the guys. Also, it was a little disheartening to see Devin Booker like pass like it wasn't very aggressive hunting for his shot at the end of that uh Lakers game when it oh, felt it like was horrible. He, felt like he definitely should have been more like I'm I'd rather I'd rather have you do whatever you want, like shot creation wise, than pass to Grayson Allen well, at the end it's because like simultaneously <laughs> it's fine if Booker passes uh it's the issue where Booker four dribbles uh gets to a spot where he usually pulls up from pump fakes uh Torian Prince doesn't bite on it or whoever's guarding <laughs> him that pass you can't have that because like the whole defense is already set when you move that ball and so for him to I don't know. He's a good slasher. Get to the rim, kick out from there. I'm fine with that. But it's just uh, he was weirdly 
ball dominant and not aggressive at the same time in a way that was very hard. Like you felt it on Phoenix's offense and uh, Durant bailed him out with some pull-up threes and some catch and shoot. And like, he caught a couple grenades that he just buried cause he's so good. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think there's definitely room for improvement offensively. And I don't know if Beal will help that. I think there might be a fairly steep learning curve because Booker's a good point guard, but I think he's like a good 27 points, seven assists kind of point guard where you're kind of like facilitating by committee with Durant being a good playmaker and everyone else not letting the ball stick very much. But with Beal, Beal's pretty isolation heavy scorer and he should be a good three-point shooter and everything and like you said a back injury like I've written him off it'll happen he'll come back when he comes back but I'm not holding my breath for it at this point I'm just kind of hoping if I'm a Suns fan that they can get some of the load off of Kevin Durant because I don't want him to have to play like an MVP for 60 games and then hopefully we ride him into the playoffs and he takes us as far as he can there as well yeah I think with Beal, you're hoping for a return to the John Wall days when when he was more Ray Allen than he was uh, Monte Ellis or whatever. Um, but even <laughs> even then, when you go back and watch those games, or like I, I haven't gone back and watched the full film, but like I've gone back and watched like the old highlights, it was more your turn, my turn than I remembered. Like in my mind, he was just like completely off the ball, but that wasn't totally. So he, he always has been more of like an on ball creator, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic if healthy that they could figure something out and maybe like take this to new heights. Um, I, I also do think shout out Yusuf Nurkic somehow Nurkic is an upgrade <laughs> over Aiton this year. Who who would have guessed? <laughs> who would have thunk? Um, uh, but yeah, they they maybe maybe I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily. You know what? Who would you if you're the Nuggets? Who would you be more scared of in the playoffs? Phoenix or New Orleans? Oh, Phoenix without question. <laughs> um, I think like I. New Orleans, no shot at stopping Denver's (laughs) offense. Like, there's not a chance in hell. And Phoenix doesn't have it either. But uh, I don't know. If if the Beal fit is seamless and then you get the same production out of Booker and Durant that you had last year in the playoffs, when they were kicking it, there were possessions. They swing it to Okogie in the corner. And as a Nuggets fan, I'm like, shoot it, Josh. You got it, man. (laughs) I believe in you. But, like, if they're swinging that to Beal in the corner – then I'm like, oh shit, this was a six game series with that Josh Okogie three. Now they have theoretically a very good three point shooter in that spot. Plus, uh, I don't know, Nurkic went at Jokic the last time they matched up. And I think if that happens in the playoffs, Jokic will like probably be a lot better at basketball. I'm just kind of banking on him not trying that hard in that game for whatever reason. Uh, I would be more scared of Phoenix just because of like the microwave scoring ability of everybody on the team, especially the fact that you can play perfect defense on guys like Durant or Booker. And if they're hot, they'll still like just make the shot. Whereas New Orleans, I mean, there's a good shot. New Orleans is banged up by the time they enter the playoffs. Like CJ is not that healthy. Uh, Valanchunas is kind of a health risk. Obviously Zion, we don't, I'm not confident you get like 50 games and a playoff run out of him. So yeah, I I would go Phoenix, but Phoenix, it's just hard. Any, if they make the playoffs or when they make playoffs, whatever you want to say, 
they're so small compared to every other really good team in the West. Well, I'll tell you what, they're you as a Nuggets fan, you need to be prepared for Yusuf Nurkic revenge tour. Um, you made you traded the wrong center, and then you also <laughs> need to be prepared for Bull Bull revenge tour because how can Jokic score on Bull Bull? He's taller and longer than Jokic is, so I don't think that that's possible. So that's what the, that's what they've been saving Bull Bull for. He is still on the roster, correct? I believe, um, <laughs> but they're saving him fresh legs. That's that's how it's gonna go. Shout um, out to uh, shout out to Kendrick Perkins, man. That's his DPOI <laughs> finalist. Bull fucking bull. Um, how do you feel? Um, I guess last team I'll touch on. We have the Heat at the seven seed in the East. Um, the Duncan Robin, the Duncan Robinessance that we're in. <laughs> it's it's good. I like him. He's been really solid. Uh, and the sample size is big enough for I believe that the jumper's back. Jaime Hakez, very impressive. Heat culture, <laughs> baby. And it just seems a, uh, it seems like they are better than a seventh seed is playing right now. And if they continue, I feel like they will outlast. I think the Knicks are above them in the standings right now. I don't have a ton yeah. of faith in the Knicks as like a consistent. Uh, presence at the top of the East throughout the season. I think they will falter at some point and there will be like a spot for Miami to overtake them. And the Pacers are above them as well. I think the Pacers, they're looking more sustainable uh, now than when I wrote this down on the paper. I just really believe in them <laughs> after the Milwaukee win. But I don't know. Uh, they're a young team and young teams, they struggle sometimes. They hit they hit uh, rocky patches, and they're not always well-equipped to handle adversity. So maybe I think the Heat will – they have a good shot at getting out of the tournament. Yeah, for sure. I'm just, I'm just at the point where I'm just not going to bet against them. It happens every single year. We're always <laughs> like, ah, they're kind of mid. I, they'll probably still be mid, and then they're not mid. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to count, count them out. Um, they're 12th on offense and 15th on defense right now. So defense is mid. Offense is a little, little bit better than mid. Um, Bam Adebayo is having a career year offensively. Um, yeah, I, I, I was just going through his numbers. I forget what they were, but I think he's shooting like an all-time high from mid-range and uh, just like 20 points a game on good efficiency. And yeah, they have Jaime. They have Duncan Robinson taking the leap. Less is more. They didn't even want Damian Lillard, actually. Um, they like Drew Holiday more than him. Like, whatever. You guys can have him in Milwaukee. Gross. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they when it, they, they definitely inspire inspire me the most out of this play-in group because, like, we have, we have the Cavs' ninth-ranked defense but 23rd-ranked offense. Darius Garland not playing well. Um, he's averaging six assists and four turnovers. Fraud watch. <gasps> Fraud watch. Fraud he's watch. Fraud watch. Darius Garland. He's not better than Trey. He's never been better than Trey. Um, <laughs> why were you guys even saying that? You guys are fucking idiots. That's why we have the podcast. We know ball. He's not better than Trey Young. Stop talking. Um, but yeah, I I think he'll bounce back. But that team that team kind of feels dead in the water. It feels like um they've like Donovan Mitchell's out. Um, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen pairing feels closer and closer to being out. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, Atlanta, typical Atlanta, win win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. They've been five hundred for five hundred years. 
Um, the Knicks, the Knicks are somehow ninth ranked defense, eleventh ranked offense. I don't believe in either one. I'm not afraid of them <laughs> if I go into a playoff series. And then the most surprising team out of these teams to me is the Nets. And so Cam Thomas has come back down to earth. He's more just like he's more he's below league average efficiency. He's still putting up big numbers, but it's like it's like slightly inefficient scoring on like two assists a game or something. And so, but somehow this team that's just Cam Thomas, Mikel, uh, Mikel Bridges and a bunch of def- defenders, they are the seventh ranked offense in the league and the 19th ranked defense. And they have a top 10 bench. They have the sixth best bench. Lonnie Walker is shooting 48% from three. I have not been watching Brooklyn. I don't know what's going on there. They are they are a bizarre team. I caught uh I caught the end of their game against the Hawks where Trey buried a step back three and he was like walking down on defense, hitting the the burr emote, and then uh Mikhail and he comes shot down. down. Yeah. <laughs> he, he comes down and just buries a mid-range with like three seconds left. Oh, and the, the hot, yeah, no, like he, he oh, won. I'm thinking uh, of when he locked him down in isolation. I'm thinking of when Trey shut him down. No, this was, I mean, to <laughs> win, literally to win the game with like three seconds left. Trey hit a crazy shot and was super happy about it. And uh, yeah, like they didn't get back in Mikhail. Well, they did. It was a tough shot. It seems like all Mikhail Bridges' shots are, but he hit it and they won. <laughs> I don't – it's weird. Spencer Dinwiddie's good offensively. Nick Claxon is a nice little rim pressure guy. Uh, I don't really know how much he's been playing. It feels like he's always kind of in and out in the lineup with health. He, he missed a lot at the beginning of the season. Um, Din, Dinwiddie is like six assists to like no turnovers. And, and he has the best uh, on-off of anybody on their team. So uh, – and I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. It's like him – uh, Lonnie Walker and like Cam, uh, Cam Johnson, I think they're they're like the big three, man. Oh doing- yeah, damn, Cam Johnson. <laughs> it's weird. The 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 Nets made the trade, the KD trade, sent him to Phoenix, and they get Mikhail and Cam Johnson back. And my gut, I'm like, oh whoa, that's like that's two solid young guys, man. And they're a little they're a little He's- older for young yeah. prospects. He's like 30 years old, Cam Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> He he played like five years of college basketball or something. Um, and you know what else is Ben Simmons is just gone. He was mm-hmm. bad. And then, and then I saw him post like a few weeks ago. I feel like I, I saw him, he was posting on TikTok. He's like, I found the joy again. I found the spark again. Like he's posting to these inspirational audios. Like when you change your scenery, everything comes into place. And then I look at the numbers. I'm like, you're not doing well. <laughs> and then, and then now I think he's out again. So I don't know. Well, I saw Here. a TikTok from him today. Uh, it was a transition where he showed off his, a uh, cool new Ford Bronco. Uh, so Epic. not like, Epic. yeah, not like a ton of a uh, basketball. It doesn't seem like he was, I don't know. I'm not going to say he wasn't focused, but he definitely wasn't actively dribbling, a, dribbling a basketball when he recorded that. Uh, I don't know if you told me, so we got the four teams in the East, the Heat, Cavs, Nets, Hawks. If you were like the Nets just plummet and they finish the season like 12th in the East, that doesn't surprise me. Maybe they made, maybe they moved off some of their good guys and actually got on track for like a legitimate rebuild. Maybe somebody got hurt that was just instrumental to them like treading water 
that of these three teams, I don't love the Cavs, and I do feel like they're in a loveless marriage with Donovan Mitchell right now, and he'll get to New York if it fucking kills him. But <laughs> I think they're more they're steadier than the Nets are. I, the Nets feel very unsustainable to me. Yeah, if I had to rank them, I'm going Miami first. I'm going Atlanta second, just because I I do believe the offense is real. the 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 defense is tragic as always, but um, <laughs> maybe maybe Jalen Johnson when he comes back, he could save it. He could drag it up to top twenty. Um, but yeah, between this Cavs and the Nets team is like Cavs clearly have more talent, but the vibes are off. Um, Nets. I don't know what the vibes are, but it's working somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't know. The East, there was like there was like a moment maybe two years ago where was like, the big narrative comes around every five years. Oh, the East is catching up to the West. The East, <laughs> they're better than the West this year. And now you look at the play-in this season, it's like, okay, the Heat, you don't want to play in the first round. <laughs> every, other, every other team here happily would be like your first round draw in the playoffs. I would have no problem playing any of these teams first round in the playoffs. And then the West, I guess you would want to play like the Pels first round, but the Suns, Clippers and Rockets as like a first round matchup. It's gross. I would not want to go. I wouldn't want to try to win four games against any of those teams. It's going to be gritty at the very least. And it might be, it might be really, really hard if you get like nuclear Devin Booker or something. Do we have any possibility of a Hawks Pacers first round playoff series? Because <laughs> that would be spectacular. That would be two hundred point two two oh four to two oh eight. Trey Young and and um Tyrese Halliburton putting up Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray bubble numbers. That would be that would be amazing. Oh my god. And imagine if the Hawks won, I would be so mean to all the Halliburton fans because they're up right now and I'm down. But man, that would be yeah. Damn, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm a Halliburton guy. I'm up <laughs> and Trey. Well, it's it's so <laughs> crazy because I got like in trouble on Twitter. For, like <laughs> I was I was talking shit on Trey Young, and a guy was like, "You're wrong," and I I don't know. But uh, ever since then, like that is the only. I was cool with Trey Young prior to that, and every time I watch him, I'm like, no. This fan was a fucking dickhead online, man. Fuck this guy. <laughs> so like Halliburton nukes the Bucks, and I'm like, yeah, Trey Young could never do this shit, man. And so I mean, well, it, well, game really one, good. the Eastern Conference Finals, 2021. <laughs> no, if Trey Young fans, we are we are in the soup. We are in the soup bread line. Uh, the soup. I'm. I, what am I trying to say? We're in the soup homeless line, asking for bread. We're like, please, just crumbs, crumbs. Please, of, sir, uh, we're in the Oliver Twist line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm like, please give me something that resembles 2021. And he's been steadily climbing his way back mm-hmm. up. He's, he's at league average efficiency. Um, but right now, Trey Young fans, we don't have an argument. We just I don't. don't. <laughs> the thing is with Trey Young. Uh, you hold players to the standards that they set for themselves, and it's similar to like why we're shitting all over Zion right now. Is you see like the heights that these guys can reach in terms of like Trey Young as a focal point of an offense when he's surrounded by guys who really maximize the things that he does well is so good. Uh, and to have a guy like that who he he had his own little Halliburton moment against the Knicks a few years back and then into yeah. he beat the Sixers. He was really cool in the playoffs. He owned MSG. He had like <laughs> ice tray celebrations. And so 
he's not afraid of the big moments the same way that Halliburton hasn't been so far. It's just getting to those big moments. It's, it's not easy. You have to win a lot of regular season games and the Hawks have not been able to do that really since then. Yeah. And he, and he's had the fall. He had the heroic rise and then he had the fall against Miami and then it was ugh, against the Celtics last year. So he's, he's got ground to cover, but, Last time when they played the Pacers last time, what would they like combined? They they both had the best games of their career or whatever. So they were, yeah. they were and it rocked. I would love that matchup. I don't think it's going to happen. The Pacers would need to be wildly good for the rest of the season just because the top, like even if you call that like the four or five matchup and the Hawks somehow magically get to the five seed, it'd be, it'd be <laughs> tough. Well, so – Let's see. The play-in is is it's the seventh seed is the highest seed that it includes. Yeah. So, so we could get yeah. we could get a play-in game. We could get a play-in game between them, no problem. Uh, but oh man, that would be so good. All right, I'm gonna start rooting for Pacers losses. <laughs> I want that. I want that. I want Halliburton Trey for all the marbles. But if Trey underperforms in that game i might kill myself um yeah it doesn't count if that yeah it only counts if my guy wins and plays well well yeah there's there was wind in the stadium that day of course (laughs) um that i so wait do you have anything more on the playing teams no i'm really we're, we're coasting right now we're fucking we got an hour 40 locked in and we get i mean yeah what do you got all right so two more things first thing is quick um Ice Bryce Sensabaugh in the G League, 18 points game, 5.9 rebounds game, 3.6 assists per game. Don't look up the turnovers. Um, 1.2 steals per game, 40% from three on seven attempts per game, 94% from the free throw line. Don't don't look up how many free throws. 59% true shooting. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to be the coach playing Simone Fontecchio or whatever above that guy but uh, that'd be kind uh, of embarrassing i i I don't know you know what do we know if 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 i had somebody come into my stadium open up my mouth wider than any dentist ever has and then take just have diarrhea into it for 24 hours straight like like a no even beyond that like like itachi sukiyomi where they're just shoving diarrhea down your mouth that's that is what that is what luka Doncic did to the utah jazz um so (laughs) they they need they need to change something up maybe maybe play ice price i mean well i mean at the bare minimum when you play ice price you're getting a guy who can cancel out what luca does offensively kind of go bar for bar with him and so then Mm -hmm. at that point it's like it's your job to put the help around him who can like overcome the rest of the mavericks and that's tough but like the to not even play ice price to have him in the g league it's just how do you have a job you know uh, I hey, there might be Hamas in Will Hardy's office or whatever. Um, <laughs> They're making him play Ice Price in the G League. Be nice. Blow to it everybody. up, guys. Blow it up. No, I, all right. Oh. That is a joke. I'm not calling for the assassination of Will Hardy. Um, the final thing: the Spurs have lost 15 straight. The Pistons have lost 18 straight. A new year is approaching. Who will win a game first? So I've written down all the supposed, the the likely win opportunities we have. So 
the Spurs, they played the Bulls today. So by the time this comes out, they may be able to get a win. So maybe they'll, they'll escape. Um, and then they play the Bulls again on the 21st. Um, so they, they get two attempts at, at a trash Bulls team. Uh, then they get the Jazz on the 26th, the day after Christmas. So they better hope Ice Price isn't called up before then. Um, if he's not there, then they have a chance. Then they get back-to-back Blazers games, 28th and 29th. So they have Damn. they have five realistic shots at, at ending this losing streak. Um, the Pistons, they get the Hawks on the 18th. So that's a winnable game. It just depends. Did the Hawks win or did they lose the night before? Because <laughs> yeah. they're gonna they're gonna do whatever to stay at five hundred. Um, they also get a game against Utah. They get a back to back with Brooklyn. Do we think they could steal one off of Brooklyn? Twenty um, third and twenty sixth, and then finally Toronto on the thirtieth. So who who would you bet on? ending that streak i can repeat the matchups if you need um i don't need you to i'm gonna bet san antonio i feel uh, everyone you described for san antonio uh feels worse than like the worst matchup uh detroit has like what detroit plays the jazz once yeah they get the jazz once i mean yeah brooklyn and hawks are both playing teams and then toronto yeah but like the thing about the Pistons is uh, there's there's this path forward theoretically with the the Spurs where you could get the second nuclear Wembenyama game like like the mm-hmm. game he had against the Suns you could get the second one of that um, you have a variety of guys who like theoretically could catch fire especially against like if you get cracks at the Blazers multiple times or the Bulls, I think is a good matchup for Wembenyama. And I think like that might be where you see a really good game from him. I don't like the Vucevic matchup for Chicago well, very much. We might stick Caruso on it. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah. The Grant Williams <laughs> method, like that wouldn't be too bad actually. Uh, yeah. It's just San Antonio feels like a better team getting more attempts at worse opponents. Whereas Detroit, I've seen like I've watched Detroit games now because I'm like <laughs> I'm like is this the win is this the win and several of them they've been in the game with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and then it's just like oh the other team can just like really really commit to transition baskets and there's nothing else in Detroit that's even approaching like NBA basketball it's so disgusting to watch. <laughs> oh my god they yeah i think i think i'm in the same boat i think i would i'm gonna bet on the spurs to win tonight not literally i'm not gonna put my money where my mouth is but i think <laughs> i feel the vibes i think we'll get we'll get a good a good spurs game um and and they'll pull out a w against our against our mid fumbling team hell yeah uh, the free the Grizzlies kind of in a cluster. I saw your video on that, Coach Lou. Uh, mm-hmm. If you guys don't know, uh, Lou is an assistant coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's like a mildly big social media presence, and he has been having pretty vocal public beef with Marcus Smart after like some locker room comments where Smart essentially told him like they don't need what he provides as an assistant coach. Yeah, I. That is not – it's not a good look to have the franchise player arrested – or not arrested, but suspended for waving a gun around and then 
like right before he's coming back, you have no name assistant. Who is this guy? He's he's chastising Marcus Smart <laughs> on social media. Uh, the, they got they got trouble down in Memphis. Yeah, no, I mean Marcus reached out, uh, and he was like mediate between because i i'm close with lou uh and i've known marcus for a little while now and so then uh i reached out to lou he is dug in man he doesn't care if he loses his job over this is like word on the street and i don't want to put words in his mouth or anything but let's just hope the jaw comeback just kind of fixes everything for them winning fixes everything maybe winning 10 games fixes everything who knows but the Grizzlies are in an ugly, ugly spot. Jaron Jackson Jr. is like top five in getting his shot blocked. I don't know why, <laughs> but he's up there. <laughs> well, it's because I, I don't know. He does not really have the release point of a seven-footer uh, and isn't like doesn't create space with physicality the way that a center normally does and is not good inside the paint particularly. It'd be really cool if Steven Adams was healthy and could just like mm-hmm. pass, pass block the, the guy trying to block the shot the way they used to do, and he could get a layup or a dunk or something. But shit has just not been there for Triple J this season. That's why Jaime Hawkins, he's the new Triple J. Jaron Jackson Jr., you have to say full name now because nobody knows who you're talking about. Washed bum. Hey, hey, hey. That's JJJ in Spanish. <laughs> That's really good. Hey, hey, hey. Damn. I'll have to, I'll have to use that for Hawkes. All right. That is damn near two hours of free content. So everyone listening, you freeloaders. And subscribe to our Patreon. We're doing another two hours right now, and you're going to get those next two hours if you sign up. absolutely i really wouldn't mind doing that Uh, maybe i'll maybe i'll put a poll on something because it'd be nice to start making some money off this and if we bring out the where is if we bring out the where is hamas bit next week i don't know if the sponsors are really going to tap in for that so uh thank you everyone for supporting the the show uh, how do we get the what's what's um crap what are they called what's theo ash and spawn hours uh podcast uh uh stay hot pod stay hot how they got the little caesars uh sponsorship hook us up (laughs) yeah i've been thinking about it we could they have little caesars player of the week hear me out lockheed martin player of the week uh and we could uh maybe we could target them for a little bit a little bit of guap and we'll stop being so mean to you guys on our podcast uh i'll sell out i'll do it i'll do it for 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 an incredibly reasonable salary. I will sell out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, is there? I saw you cranked out a little a YouTube video a couple days ago. You want yes. people to check that out? Oh wait a second. We didn't even play my game. Do you want to play it or? Yeah, we fuck it. I got time. Okay. Let's do it, man. Okay, okay. Um, all right. So we'll end on my game. And so this game, this g- game time is brought to you by the Hot Tunes TV China or. Hot Tunes TV China NBA YouTube channel. I just posted another 40-plus minute video talking about player expectations. Go check it out. Send it to the stars. Um, so this game, we're going to see. We're going to – let me get my, my pencil. So, uh, um, all right, I can't find my pencil offhand. So we're just going to have to keep keep score with our brains. Your pencil's but, in your ear, you goober. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Um, 
when did I do that? Have I had that the whole time? It's been there for a while. Oh wow! Um, all Magic right, so of Christmas, baby. Your hat. I'm I'm gonna give. There's there's ten options. So let's see. Let's again establish what out of ten do you have to get to make this a success? Seven, five. Uh, let's call it six. Let's split the difference. Six. Okay. So. The game here is I'm going to name a player and you have to guess what they majored in in college. So, okay. Do I, is this did... multiple choice? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just buy. Perfect. What did Damian Lillard major in at Weber State? Um, sports broadcasting. <clears throat> Sales. Listen, he's a, he's a grinder. He's a rise and grinder. So he is. Gotta, Damn, that, that makes sense. Jeremy Lin at Harvard. Oh fuck. Um maybe like business. Close. Econ. Oh my god. <laughs> Kelly Olinick, one of your comps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my guy. If I fuck this so up, he'll never. What would you major in? No, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kelly Olenek probably majored in, he looks like he majored in agriculture, I'll tell you what, but <laughs> I'm going to say he majored in finance. <gasps> I'm going to count this as a dub. He was accounting. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I'm, if I don't get multiple choice, if I get four of these right, I'll be <laughs> over the moon with myself. All right, so Dwight Powell, he went to Stanford University. Dwight Powell seems like he majored in mathematics. Okay. So his major, I think this is all one major. Because okay. it said he majored in science, comma, technology, and society. So is mathematics part of science, technology, and society? <laughs> is that, is that a, I'll leave it up to you. Is that a dub or, or a... He know? majored in society? science technology and society oh that's uh, I, I, that's not i'm not getting math for that but that's so fucking funny society <laughs> all right let's keep it pushing all right tim duncan nba legend oh man um tim duncan probably he actually wrote a paper on this subject as well he was published um let's do like he studied politics. Oh, psychology. Rats. Danny Granger. Majored in fucking buckets, baby. Um, <laughs> no, Danny Granger majored in English. Civil engineer. God damn it. These dorks, man. They're going for these <laughs> like really reliable career paths if they don't make the league. The other, the other great pacer of his time, Roy Hibbert, Georgetown University. What did he major in at Georgetown oh, University? Shit. Hibbert went to Georgetown. Damn. Um, Hoya, Hoya. Uh, I'm gonna say Hibbert majored in. Oh fuck! Uh, like video production because he's a YouTuber now. No, he did government. Damn! Oh, cause he, no. This uh, this would have been this would have been better if I gave you a word bank of all of them and you had to match it. <laughs> well, well, 
we we learned we learned um <laughs> jeff green also went to georgetown yeah jeff green majored in public relations english with a minor in theology oh damn okay jeff shane battier at duke um shane battier at duke majored in you know how i'm a fucking idiot it's because i'm running out of majors uh (laughs) (laughs) shane battier majored in geography He, he wanted to be a teacher God, no. He majored in religion. (laughs) And then the final one, this is the most difficult one. So let's say if you get this one, you're redeemed. This man man is unreadable. Meta world peace. Oh, he went to college? (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I think think St. John's. I thought he was straight out of high school for some reason. Um, Can I have a hint, please? well, you know what? Did he play in college? He might have just gone to college. I don't know if he played in college. Um, a hint. Let's see. What would a good hint be? Um, you use it at every every time you go to a restaurant. This this um, is a little tough hint by me. This is a little trickery. <laughs> Uh, you use it when you go to a restaurant every um, single time. I'm gonna say math because you're doing 20% tip. You got it. Meta yeah. was a math major, so you got two out of ten. You got Meta World Peace and then Kelly Olinick. So you can, my only, guy, you can only read the vibes of those two. <laughs> so that's that's who you're in tune with. Damn. Okay. Well, you know, I'm happy with that. Ending on <laughs> ending on a win, that makes me feel good. Uh, that right. was brought to you by Hot 2 CV China NBA YouTube channel. Everyone go check it out. All right. Uh, everyone <laughs> go check out Pablo Escobar on TikTok. Check out Jokic Joestar on TikTok. Follow us both on Twitter. Um, subscribe to the Patreon that's not <laughs> there yet. But if it ever shows up, you better subscribe. Otherwise... Something ominous will happen. Thank you all for tuning in to this two-hour fucking smorgasbord of nonsense. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Peace.